Hi, my name is Steve Polk. I'm the executive pastor here at First Baptist Rock Hill. And it's always a joy to welcome you to this uh, broadcasted sermon from our pastor, Steve Hogg. Today, he's going to bring a very challenging message to us as we talk about leadership. Uh, in some faction, some place in life, you're a leader, whether it's in your home, uh, in your career, or volunteering, or even just leading yourself well is a strong challenge for us as believers. So today, Steve's going to talk about what it takes to be an effective leader and just really the core foundational principle of effective leadership. So uh, as we prepare for him to come, I want you to go ahead and grab a copy of God's Word, a notebook, and a pen, and get ready to take some notes and see how the Lord speaks to you through His Word today. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for how Scripture addresses every facet of life. Today, we look at leadership and the calling and challenge it is to lead effectively that we would first acknowledge our place as a leader uh, of ourselves and within our family, uh, within our school or job or in other areas of life, and that we would be used of you to lead well, to be effective in that leadership. Help us learn more and grow today in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody, and happy Mother's Day. Thank you for joining me for today's worship service. All of us have plans to celebrate our moms and the women in our lives that we love so much. And we're doing that here at First Baptist as well. And today I want to talk about the importance of spiritual leadership and spiritual influence because moms and dads, parents are all big influences on the lives of their children. My mom turns 84 later this summer. And, and I have a lot of memories of her teaching me things when I was a kid. I remember one day sitting on the floor, leaning against the bed, and she was sitting there with me teaching me how to tie my shoes. I have a very clear memory of her when I was in first grade taking that uh, that Dick and Jane books that we used to use uh, years ago to teach kids to read and helping me learn words and learn sentences, learn how to read. When I was in my early teens, I also remember mom giving me one of my first driving lessons, and I have to be honest, it didn't go very well. In fact, I got embarrassed and upset and uh, it didn't go well. And so I have, I have a lot of memories like that of mom teaching me things. What I don't have are memories of her teaching me about Jesus, about his Bible, because we were not a Christian family. We did not go to church. My mom was not a follower of Christ in those years. And uh, we, we did own a Bible and there was a, a children's book of Bible stories in the house, but that was about about it. And as I said a moment ago, you know, parents teach their children and, and, and you could say that parents are leaders when it comes to the family, when it comes to the children and have a, a big influence. And what God tells us, what God makes really clear in his word is that one of the biggest responsibilities that parents have when it comes to teaching their children, influencing their children, leading their children is in the area of their spiritual lives, that parents are to be spiritual teachers Parents are to be spiritual leaders with their children. The truth is that each and every one of us who are followers of Christ, who are his disciples, are to be spiritual leaders in some capacity. When you really think about it, yes, we're spiritual leaders as parents with our children. We're, you know, as a, as a pastor of a local church, I'm a spiritual leader. Um, those of you who teach Sunday school classes or lead life groups are spiritual leaders. 
If you facilitate a D group at our church or a small group in a uh, ministry somewhere, you are a spiritual leader. Deacons are spiritual leaders. Everyone who, who helps lead worship, whether you're on a praise team, you play an instrument in the worship service, you sing in a choir, you are a spiritual leader. You're volunteering in the community. You're volunteering in any ministry at the church. You're working with children. You're working with teenagers. You're working with college students. Any place where you volunteer in ministry, you are a spiritual leader. And one of the things that we have to understand is if we are going to be effective as spiritual leaders, whether it's in the home, in the church, in the community, in any capacity, if we're going to be effective as spiritual leaders, we have to be spiritually healthy. And in order to be spiritually healthy, now listen to me, in order to be spiritually healthy, there is one passion. There is something that we have to be passionate about above every other passion in life. And there's an experience in the life of Moses found in the book of Exodus. And I invite you to open your Bible there to chapter 33. There's an experience in his life as the spiritual leader of the Hebrew people that helps us understand what that one thing is that God says you and I need to be passionate about if we're going to be effective spiritual leaders in the different roles we play in the different capacities that we feel in life. And we can learn from that experience in Moses' life, not only what what that passion is and how important it is, but how to make certain that we are chasing that passion, that one thing that God says is important if we're going to be spiritually healthy. And remember, we have to be spiritually healthy if we're going to be effective spiritual leaders with, their, with our children, in the church, in any ministry. Now, You'll remember that God called Moses to be a spiritual leader, and his job was to lead the Hebrew children from slavery in Egypt to freedom in the promised land. Big job, important task. But let me say to you, it's a big job to be a parent. It's a big job to be a pastor. It's, it's a, an important responsibility to facilitate a D group. It's, it's an important responsibility God has given you if you are a life group leader, if you're a Sunday school teacher, if you're volunteering in a ministry that influences young people, that is a big deal. That is a big responsibility and, and, and it's spiritual leadership. And we want to be effective and we need to be healthy. And I want us to learn from Moses. You know, Moses not only was that spiritual leader leading the Hebrews from slavery in Egypt to freedom in the promised land, but doing that, man, he had all these experiences. He had some really great experiences, some very positive experiences, some miraculous experiences, but he also faced some challenges. I mean, his, his tenure as the leader, as the spiritual leader of the Jewish people uh, included some real highs and some deep lows. Does that sound familiar? Have you ever had some great experiences as a parent? And then the next week of just a rough, tough, hard experience as a parent, you're volunteering in a ministry, in the church, in the community, and, and one day things go great and you're on a mountaintop. And, and then a month later, wow, you talk about a challenge. We have our highs and our lows. Anytime you are serving, anytime you are in spiritual leadership, when, when you're going to have those, those moments, those high moments and those low moments, just like Moses. I want you to think about 
some of the events leading up to Exodus 33 because in that chapter, they're at the mountain of God. They're at Mount Sinai where he received the Ten Commandments. And leading up to that, all the experiences we've talked about in recent weeks when God sent the plagues on Egypt and, and brought Pharaoh and the Egyptian government to their knees and freed the Hebrew slaves, parting the Red Sea and allowing the people of God to walk through on dry land and to safety on the other side. And then they come to the mountain of God out on the Sinai Peninsula, Mount Sinai. And on one occasion, God speaks to the people. In fact, God shows up on that mountain and Exodus tells us that he, that his presence covered the mountain with smoke and there was thunder and flashes of lightning. There was a, a trumpet blast from heaven and at the mountain shook and God spoke verbally, orally, giving the Ten Commandments and gathered at the bottom of the mountain that day when God covered it with his presence was not only Moses, but it was the entire Hebrew nation. It was the Jewish people that he had led to let led out of slavery in Egypt. And, and they, they, they heard the thunder of God. They saw the mountain shake and they knew that God was there. And their response was to tremble and stand there and on. Here, here's Moses, their spiritual leader. And, and God shows himself in such a beautiful way to the people he is leading. That's a mountaintop experience. Moses would then go up on the mountain of God and spend the next 40 days with God. And it was during that time that God wrote the Ten Commandments on those two tablets of stone and gave Moses instructions for the people, how they were to worship and how they were to live. Another mountaintop, high, beautiful experience for Moses. But he also faced some challenges as a spiritual leader, just like you do as a parent, just like you do as a teacher, just like you do as a leader in any ministry or a volunteer in any ministry. Not all of his experiences were positive, just like not all of ours are positive. On the way to the mountain of God, the people of Israel, the Hebrew people, they, they had complained and griped against Moses and against God because they said there's not enough water and there's not enough food. And you'll remember the story that God gave them water from a rock and he gave them manna from heaven and quail in the evening so they would have food to eat. And in Exodus 32, when Moses is on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments of God and having that mountaintop experience, that positive experience as a spiritual leader, down at the base of the mountain are the people of God. And they're having a very different kind of experience. In fact, while Moses is on the mountain those 40 days, the people of God at the base of the mountain turn their back on God. And they take their gold jewelry and ask Aaron to make for them a golden calf. And they have a festival and they worship that idol. They sin against God, violating the second commandment that God had given them not to make any idols. And, and Moses comes down from that mountain. Now, now, now picture this. Here's this spiritual leader, okay, this spiritual leader having this great experience with God the Father on the mountain. And when he comes down from the mountain, the very people he he's leading are sinning against God by worshiping an idol. They've turned their back on God in just over one month. It did not take them long to forget that mountaintop experience they had when God's presence covered the mountain in front of them with smoke. Just a month later, they're turning their back on God and Moses comes down and he sees that and he's heartbroken. You ever been heartbroken as a parent? 
You ever been heartbroken as a spiritual leader? You ever been heartbroken as a volunteer in ministry? And he becomes angry and in righteous indignation, he takes those stone tablets on which the Ten Commandments are written and he throws them to the ground, shattering them into dozens of pieces. They're broken. He calls the people of God to repentance. And most of them do repent and they're heartbroken because of their sin when confronted by it. But there are some who don't repent. And so not only does he call people to repentance, but he has to deal with those who are unwilling to repent. And Exodus tells us there were about 3,000 of them who were executed that day because they were unwilling to give up idols. And he could not allow within the nation of Israel idolatry because it would have destroyed the nation. After that experience, Moses goes back up on the mountain, spends another 40 days with God. God gives him the Ten Commandments again. And, and, and this is where the story that I want us to focus on for just a few moments picks up. It's where it begins. Because all of this is beginning to wear on Moses. I mean, he's seen God do miraculous things and deliver the people, and yet he's seen the people at times complain and lose faith. He's seen the people in a little over one month go from celebrating the presence of God that they visibly saw and physically heard and experienced that mountain high, that spiritual high, to turning their back on God and worshiping idols. And, and he's interceding with God on their behalf. Wow, it's taking a toll on him. It's, it's wearing on him. It's discouraging him. And, let, and, and let's just be honest. Uh, there, there are times as a parent, as the leader of your family, as the spiritual leader of your children, there are times when, you, when it wears on you. There are times when you get tired. There are times when you get discouraged. As a pastor, I experienced that. You volunteer and lead provide spiritual leadership in any ministry in the church, spiritual leadership in any ministry in the community, you're going to have those moments when it just wears on you. When you just get weary and tired and you get discouraged. And Moses, when that moment came, Moses knew what he needed. Moses knew what he wanted. And he went after it. He asked for it. And that's what I'm encouraging us to do today. Let's look at it in Exodus chapter 33, verse 18. Here's what Moses wanted. Here's what Moses knew he needed. In verse 18, Moses said, and he's talking to God on the mountain. He said, I pray you, God, I'm praying to you, show me your glory. Moses knew that the thing he needed and the thing he wanted more than anything else in his life, if he was going to continue being a spiritual leader among the people of God, was he needed the glory of God's presence in his life. And so he prayed and said, God, show me your glory. I need you. I need your presence. I need to be connected to you. God, let me see your glory because I need to be encouraged and I need to be strengthened. God, let me see your glory. And then in verse 19, God said to Moses, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. God said, Moses, I'm going to show myself to you. I'm going to show you my goodness. You're going to see my glory. You're going to experience my presence, and it's going to encourage you. Continuing in verse 20, God said, but you cannot see my face, for no man can see my face and live. Then the Lord said, and he's talking to Moses, behold, there is a place by me, 
and you shall stand there on the rock. Aren't you thankful that God says there's a place for you beside him, that God wants you in his presence, that God wants to be with you, that God says there is a place for you in my presence? That's what he said to Moses. And he says it to us because the Bible tells us that God will never leave us and nor forsake us. God wants to be in your life. And there's a place for you right beside him. And that's what you need more than anything else is a deep, deep, strong, powerful experience in the presence of God, a connection to God. And so God said in verse 21, behold, there's a place by me and you shall stand there on the rock. Then in verse 22, and it will come about while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have till I have passed by. And then I will take my hand away and you will see my back, but my face shall not be seen. God said, Moses, I'm going to put you in the cleft of that rock and cover you with my hand as I walk by, as my glory passes you, and you'll know I'm passing. You won't see my face. But after I'm passed, I'll pull my hand away and you'll see my back. You see, I don't have to know everything about God. I don't have to see all of God to be inspired, to be strengthened, to be encouraged, to be blessed. I just need some of God. And the truth is, he is with us. He is with us and we can experience his presence in a profound way. Well, you drop down into chapter 34 and God tells Moses to cut out two stones, and he's going to give them the Ten Commandments again. And God answers Moses' prayer to see his glory. Starting in verse 6, the Bible says, And the Lord passed by. The Lord passed by in front of him, in front of Moses. And as God was walking by Moses, he spoke to God. And by the way, if you want to hear the voice of God, get in the presence of God. You want to hear the voice of God, show up at worship. You want to hear the voice of God, get into his word. You want to hear the voice of God, learn how to pray. You want the voice of God speaking to your heart and soul. Be diligent to spend time in the presence of God. For when you seek him, he always shows up and he speaks. God spoke to Moses as he passed by. In verse 6, the Lord, the Lord God, notice what he said, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity or the sin of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and the fourth generations. Now, here's Moses' response, and this needs to be ours in verse 8. Moses made haste to bow low toward the earth and worship. See, when you're struggling, when you've, you've come down from a, from a spiritual high as a parent, as a pastor, as a teacher, as a volunteer, you've come down from a spiritual high and all of a sudden you've encountered a challenge, whether it's a, a challenge that you created or a challenge that somebody else created and it's discouraged you and it's wearing you out. That is not the time for you to run from God and hide from God. That is the moment you need to run toward God. That's what Moses did. 
when he was in this weak moment, this low moment, this discouraged moment, he said, God, show me your glory. He had the audacity. He had the faith. He had the boldness to run toward God and say, God, I need more of you. And God spoke to him. And the result was that he bowed down and he worshiped and he was renewed and he was able to go forward leading the people of God. I need God more than I need anything else in my life. And you need God more than you need anything else in your life. Oh, the glory of the presence of God. You see, Moses had to stay connected to God to be healthy. And he knew that if he was going to deal with all that was happening at that season in the life of Israel, he needed a closeness with God. He needed a freshness with God. He needed the touch of God. But he also had a job that he had to do. They had not made it to the promised land. They still had a long way to go. And there were going to be more experiences along the way, some up and some down, some good, some bad, some a blessing, and some very frustrating. And Moses knew that not only for that moment, but for the future, he needed to be connected to God. He needed to be passionate and seeking the presence of God. And brothers and sisters, when life gets hard, if we're going to do our best today and we're going to be available to God to do our best tomorrow and all the different areas of spiritual leadership and spiritual influence that make up our lives, we must be passionate about staying connected to God, whatever our roles. Yes, Moses needed other skills as a leader. And you and I need other skills, whether it's as a parent or a pastor or a teacher or a servant in any minute. There's, there's skills that we need, but there is nothing we need as much as we need the presence of Almighty God. There is nothing we should be as passionate about as His presence and making certain that we are intimately connected to the Lord, seeing his glory, filled with his spirit, anointed with his power. I need that as a dad. I need that as a husband. I need that as a preacher. I need that as a man. And you need the same thing in every role that is part of your life. Many of you remember a few weeks ago when Richard Ross was with us for our Family Matters Sunday, and he talked about the importance of heart connections between parents and their children. And he used a piece of that PVC, that pipe to talk about, you know, to illustrate that it, that, that it, that it flows from the dad's heart and the mom's heart, the parent's heart over to the child's heart, that connectivity. And we understand that as parents, but he went for, he went beyond that. And he said, it's not just that you need a heart connection. He said that what's in your heart matters because what's in your heart is what flows through that pipe to the heart of your children. And you need a passion for Jesus Christ. If there's a passion for Jesus in here, then that's more likely to flow to them. But if there's not a passion in you for the presence of God and for the glory of God and the power of God in your life, you can't give that to your kids. You have to have it if you're going to give it. And I say again, whatever role we play in life, whether it's as a parent, as a preacher, as a servant of Jesus Christ in any capacity, in any area where we have spiritual influence and bring about spiritual leadership, the greatest need we have is the presence of God, the power of God, the anointing of God, and to be connected with God himself. There have been seasons in my life, and I'm sure they have been in yours as well, 
when I was not as connected to God as I was in other seasons. And uh, whenever I wasn't as connected to God, it always showed up. It showed up in every aspect of my life, how I dealt with my kids, the kind of husband I was. It showed up in my preaching. It showed up in my leadership as a pastor. And, and I'm so excited that I'm healthier today than I was in some of those seasons. And through the years of life, I've learned some lessons about life. I've learned that uh, you know life's ups and downs will get the better of me if I don't stay connected to God. I've learned that I handle the ups and downs of life better when I am connected with God. I've learned in life, I've lived long enough now to know that, that my connection to God, my staying in the presence of God, my staying connected to God is the most important thing, the most important passion, the most important responsibility in my life. That everything else in my life eventually eventually rises or falls on the on, on, on the, the connectedness that I have to God or that I don't have to God. I've lived long enough to understand that my influence and my leadership is more effective and more productive when I'm connected to God. And 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 that's true as a as I deal with my children, my adult children today, as I as I am a spiritual influence on my grandchildren, as I minister to my wife, as I stand in the pulpit of this church and preach every Sunday, as I lead the people of God here at First Baptist Church, whatever role I play in this community, in this city, I have lived long enough to learn that my influence and my leadership and my ability to make a difference for the kingdom of God are impacted so positively when I'm connected to God. God and they are hindered when I'm not passionate about being connected to God. I've learned those things about life. And I'll tell you another thing. I, I've learned some lessons. I've learned some important things about how to stay connected to God. I've, I've come to learn, God has shown me that there are times in my life and brothers and sisters, there are times in your life when we, we simply need to repent. When, when I've needed to repent and confess and say, God, you know, I've gotten distracted. God, I've got so busy doing life that I've not, I've not cried out for your presence and I've not cried out for your glory. And God, I've, I've gotten so busy doing all of those things that I'm no longer filled with your Holy Spirit. And I'm not as close to you as I used to be. And I've, I've learned there are going to be moments in my life when I need to get on my knees before God and repent of that sin and confess it and stop arguing with God about it. Stop making excuses for it. Own it. Own it, just be honest and say, God, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, and today I repent of not being close to you the way I want to be and the way I know I need to be. I've lived long enough that I've learned when it comes to staying connected to God, there are times I need to fall on my face at the altar or in my altar at the house and just cry out, oh God, give me the fullness of your spirit. Oh, God, keep me in the center of your will. Oh, God, anoint me with your power. Oh, God, I, I'm desperate for you. Cry out to God for his presence and for an awakening in your soul. Let God know that you need him and that you want him in your life. And you know something? Just like God met Moses on the mountain when he passed by him as Moses was hidden in the cleft of the rock. God will meet you 
You fall on your face at the altar of God, God will meet you. You open your heart and soul to him in authentic worship, singing with praise to God, and he will meet you with his presence. You open his word and read it not just to be educated, but to hear from God so you can know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and how he wants you to live. And I promise you, God will meet you in his word. You spend time in the holy of holies praying to God. He will show up just like he did did with Moses. I've also learned that I need a plan and I need to be consistent in executing that plan. I need a plan for reading the Bible. I don't need to be haphazard about it. I, 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 need, a, I need to be accountable to others. I've, I've learned, listen, I've lived long enough and I, I've learned that when I'm in like a D group and I'm accountable to other people for reading the word of God and let it, letting God speak to my heart and they hold me accountable to that, I've learned that I do better and that I stay more connected to God, more connected to his word, more connected to his presence. And I, I, th- that is so important. I can't leave it to chance. And I've learned that, that I've got to be disciplined in that. You don't have to do it the way I do it, but this is really important to me. So, you know, this past November, my family and I spent the whole week of Thanksgiving at the beach down at Myrtle Beach. And my D group, my discipleship group, our guys, we meet at 6.30 on Wednesday morning, currently by Zoom. And here I am in the middle of my vacation, Thanksgiving week at the beach, and I get up. And at 6.30 that Wednesday morning, I'm on Zoom with the Word of God, with the men that are part of my D group. And we're sharing with one another what God said to us that week, and it encourages me. That Sunday before coming home to Rock Hill after being on vacation all week, we stopped and went to church and worshiped Jesus Christ at New Spring Church there in Myrtle Beach. Now, I'm not saying you have to do it my way. I'm not saying you need to be a legalist about those things. But I am saying we need a plan and we need to be disciplined in executing that plan and stop making excuses for not doing what we know we need to do so we can stay in the presence of God. What is your plan? If you don't have a plan, well, don't knock mine until you get one. You need a plan and you need to be disciplined and stick with it. I want to be my best and I believe you do as well. We want to be our best as husbands and wives, as moms and dads. Be our best as grandparents. I want to be my best as a preacher and leader in whatever ministry you're part of. I believe you want to be your best in leading that ministry group, that ministry team. We want to have spiritual impact that that blesses people and makes a difference in their lives. I've learned I cannot do that apart from the glory of God and the presence of God and the anointing of God. Neither can you. That's why I'm not Moses. We need to be passionate about God's presence and cry out, Oh, God, be with me. Come on, church. Be thirsty for the presence of God. Come on, church. Be hungry for the word of God. Cry out to God and say today, God, show me your glory. There in your house today, where you are right now, get on your knees by your couch or bed. Get out of that chair at your kitchen table and kneel on the floor. If you're driving your car, pull over to the side of the road and sit in that seat and cry out to God and say, God, thank you for loving me and wanting to be present in my life. And I love you and I need you and I want you more than everything. And Father, forgive me. Forgive me for taking you for granted today, oh God. I seek you and I thank you. I thank you because I know you will show up.
I pray you do that today and that you do it every day for the rest of your life. God bless you. I look forward to being with you again next Sunday.